Hey everyone, it's Lila Proença and this is The Honest by Betterhead. Every episode, I get to pick the brains of brilliant, inspiring and honest guests about their lives, passions and everything and anything we want to discuss. We use the veterinary world just as an excuse to talk to fascinating people. Today, I had with me Dr. Oded, or Odi Markovic. Odi and I have a unique friendship, which I'm sure you're gonna pick it up very quickly. Odi is a veterinarian working on recruiting and professional relations. He travels the world finding the right position for the right candidate, and is away from home way more than he's at home. Today, we talked about sibling rivalry, bullying, raising kids without a religious orientation, and what to expect when you eat pink popcorn in Brazil. He likes to play tough, but his heart is really made out of cotton candy, soft and sweet. He taught me a quote from Soren Kierkegaard, life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forward. You can find Dr. Markovic on LinkedIn. And with that, I leave you to enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody. I'm here today with a treat for you guys. I'm here with Dr. Ori Markovic on our The Honest episode of our podcast. Dr. Markovic, I think I'm going to let you introduce yourself um, and tell us who is Dr. Ori Markovic. Uh, from a professional point of view or from what point of view? Either way, I want to hear it all. We're going to go and break it down at all. <laughs> um, it's a comp, you know, people ask me where I'm I realize from. I don't know that much about you, though. Fair enough. I, I, there's definitely a part of me who feels this whole thing is just a big hoax, just so you can see inside my apartment. But anyway, let's, uh, let's start from there. Uh, it's complicated. People ask me where I'm from. It's, uh, born in Israel, grew up in Canada, and lived most of my life in the U.S. I like to say it's very compartmentalized from birth to the first day of school was in Israel. And then first day of school to last day of vet school was in Canada. But then uh, my professional life working was all in the U.S., so very, very compartmentalized. I uh, graduated from the Ontario Vet College in 94. I started uh, professionally with a company called, <laughs> just to show you how complicated it is, this is my first six months, I started with a company called the PVH, one of the first corporate groups in the U.S., Professional Veterinary Hospitals of America. And by the time I actually started, they were bought out by a company called Pet Practice. I started with Pet Practice at a high-volume, low-cost clinic. I was an associate, and after four months, they asked me to open up uh, a one-doctor practice for them. So we took, eventually became Livonia Animal Hospital. It was a dry cleaners that we converted and made it into an animal hospital, and I was the medical director. Once that was opened, it was bought by VCA. So just to be clear, in the first six months of my career, I've been in three different companies two different titles, and two different hospitals. And that is actually the least complicated part of my history. <laughs> so when you ask me about myself, it's moderately complicated. Yeah. So Dr. Markovic is a veterinarian, is a DVM. Um, but please, 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 just call me Odie. You, you know, we, please call me Odie. 
Okay, I have permission and it's all uh, recorded. This is going to be so interesting. I'm going to have proof of so much here. And I can't, I will No, use but I tell you. everyone to call me Odie. When I was a kid, my mom told me she had these two professors, both equally well papered and equally well known and equally famous. And one said, Oh, you need to call me uh, Dr. Smith. I'm Dr. Smith. You need to call me Dr. Smith. And the other one was, Oh, just call me Adam. And so she's always told me, I want you to be the latter. So I've That's always very just, wise. just call me Odie. That's, we're people. The, the doctor. The doctor means nothing. So, mom, what is mom's name? Uh, Eva. It took you a second to think about your mom's name there. <laughs> well, she has two names, right? Because she has a Hebrew name and she has an English what name. What is her Hebrew name? And so, her English name would be Eva. It's Hava, which means Eva. Hava. Oh, cool. Your name in Hebrew is Oded, right? Oded. It means encouragement. It's actually a verb. It's to, it's, uh, yeah. To encourage someone is to oded them. Isn't that beautiful with your current job? Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's perfect. It's wasn't, perfect. Wasn't, wasn't so much fun when I was in <laughs> in grade school and people call me odor. That wasn't the fun one. But, uh, or, oh, you're dead. I've, had, I've heard all the jokes. But, yeah, oh, that's why I go with Odie. Mind you, Odie is the cartoon from Garfield who... Oh, it is. My name is Lila Maftun, and Maftun in Portuguese resembles, like, you can play with the words and resembles like mal odor <laughs> so it's funny because <laughs> the same yes. thing uh, and yeah that's how they they would prank me or bully me growing up were I don't you, think anybody bullied you? you but go on oh I was bullied a lot really yep they're all dead now they're all dead <laughs> now they're not here to tell the story, but I was bullied. No, I was no, bullied. they're not. <laughs> when I was about, I think, 10 or something, I was uh, camping on my backyard. And all we all we lived in a house complex, and all the kids from the street, there were like about 15, 20 of us in multiple ages. All of them um, got mangoes, because there are a lot of mango trees. They got these mangoes, which is like a hard fruit. And they all ganged up around the, the tent. And it was just myself and my friend inside of the tent. And they started darting against us. Um, it was super scary because wow. they could have hurt us a lot. And they were throwing rocks and mangoes. And a lot of times they would, I had a little scooter that I would go back and forth <laughs> on my street. <laughs> and uh, they would block the street so I couldn't pass. Um, okay. And stuff like that. I, I don't recall like... Crying. I, always, I think they blocked the. I think they blocked the street so you don't can't come near them. That's why they <laughs> block the street. It's not so you can't leave. It's so you can't come back in. You can't come back in. It could be. Yeah. They. Yeah. yeah it was a lot. They would like call me names and thing. At the time, the bullying was not a thing. Nobody like labeled that way. All right. A long time ago. It was normal. But definitely, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't. It was normal. It was, yeah. And, and yeah. just like now as an adult, I was like, oh, yeah, I was bullied. And that's probably why I'm so reactive and on the defensive all the time. But that did happen. Right. Maybe. Were you bullied? Or, or maybe you're just a bully. You're just a bully. Maybe you're just a bully. I'm just a bully. Uh, you know what? I thought about I that. I, I thought about that. Let's let's call your sister. See what she says. She will know what kind of a bully you were. <laughs> Younger sisters always seem to know that kind of stuff. I, I don't have any specific memories of being bullied. To be honest with you, I went to school in a small class. We were only twenty kids. I was uh, no surprise the class clown, but I don't really have uh, any recollection of being bullied. 
keep in mind in those days, being a nerd or a geek or an intellectual was not something, you know, it wasn't a sports person, right? So it was definitely on the mm -hmm. fringes. But I never, I, I never, I don't think I ever felt, I have no recollection of being bullied, at least. Were you popular among the kids? Oh, please. What do I you mean, so. please? I'd like to think so. <laughs> I don't know. I I, I I don't know. I haven't thought about that to be honest with you. I don't. Um, but yeah, did you I have a, like a lot well of friends? Liked. Did you did you lead the group or you were a follower? Yeah, no, I was well. I was well liked. Again, it was. It depends what years you're talking about. If you're talking up until high school, we were a small class, just 20 kids, so it's very different. But uh, I wouldn't say one of the leaders, but I would definitely say one of the more popular kids. I mean, not a mean girl. Let's put it that way. Describe me. Describe you in high school. Like, what? What were the? What, what, like, I went through a dark phase where I wore black and I like listened to uh, what is Kurt Cobain and well, anyway. Right. How about you? No, not that. I've always been a very good boy. Let's put it that way. I went to a school. It so after after grade school, so it was from like first grade to grade nine in Canada. Then I went to high school for grade 10 and 11 in a school, which did not feel quite right for me. And then I switched because two of my good friends from my elementary school ended up in a gifted program. And this school was called Earl Haig, and it had a bunch of different programs. One was a gifted program, one was for sports people, One was for artists and one was for drama dancers. So if you remember the TV show Fame, that's what this was like. So you would have people dancing in the hallways and musicians playing the cello at lunchtime. And the uh, gifted folks, the geeks like us, we had our own cafeteria. Some of that I, where we used to play bridge. <laughs> so I think some of that was to protect us <sighs> from getting bullied. But it, was, but it was a huge mix of different people. Also a very small class there also around 20 people, all very, very unique individuals because we're all, for lack of a better word, gifted in our own little way. I do remember there was one guy, Matt, who was learning to play with dynamite and blew up his backyard. I do remember that. One of my other classmates uh, was now, or has been the last couple of years, the world champion in bridge internationally, world champion. So that's pretty cool. So a lot of very successful, very smart people. Oh, wow. Yeah. But I, I don't know how I, I would describe myself as a good boy in high school. I'm not definitely not a black Kurt Cobain, uh, rebel kind of guy. Funny, generally funny. But having come into a high school after two years for only the last two years, that changes a bit of the dynamic as well. And what do you like? Did you always have good grades, or you were like a medium grade? Uh, no, good me, medium to good grades. Okay. Yeah, I went through like weird phases. I went through a hipster phase, a dark phase, uh, whatever. I, I I think I kind of tried to mold and fit with the groups I would mingle. <laughs> so it must be, have been very interesting for my parents <laughs> to like one week oh, I'm, I'm sure. like dressing black and the next week I'm like wearing sarong and whatnot. And it's just like, what are you going to do? <laughs> I, I did, I did just, not know yeah. you in high school, but I would imagine it's difficult to be your parents even today. I can't imagine what it was like I, back then. I agree. I will have to agree with you. <laughs> I, I'm against violence, but I think I could have used some spanking or some oh, yeah. sort. Oh, well, I'm sure. I definitely very, yeah, I... I, to this day, I still apologize to my parents. I was always like, I was never in trouble. <laughs> I was never in I trouble. Like, that. I never got involved with drugs or I was always good at school. I, I mean, my parents were never called at school or anything like that. But certainly, like, 
trying to test my limits and being a little bit like having my nose a little bit too up. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Um, what, did you grow up with well, siblings? Well, I'm learning a lot about you yes. here. Yes. Did I watch more you? than I actually yeah, more than more than you should. Um, you have yeah, siblings, sure. right? You have a brother. I have a brother, yeah, younger brother. Or the older three, brother? Younger, three years a younger, younger brother. than me. And that's your only sibling, right? Yeah, I think uh, your sister is three years younger than you, right? I think it's very similar, no? How many years is she younger than you? Yes, Luana. Yeah, she's two and a half yeah. years younger. Yeah. Than I am. Yeah, it's so very similar. So yeah, almost th- almost three. And years were you guys inside. buddies growing up? We're we're closer now than we were then. No, I don't think we. I wouldn't say we were buddies. I mean, I think two brothers. It's kind of strange and old. Uh, no, I wouldn't say we were buddies. I mean, we never hated one another. We never really fought. But we're definitely closer now than we were then. I remember my grandfather telling me towards the end of his life. He, he told me about my brother. He and it's very true. He said at the end, it's going to be just the two of you. Because that's true. Everybody else dies off. Parents dies. Uncles, aunts, grandparents. And it is just you and your sister or you that's and your true. brother. And so it was always just the two of us. And uh, we're very close now. I, I think the relationship, I, I, know, I know your relationship with your sister quite well. And I think it's very, very similar. My brother and I are very similar to you and Luana. Oh, but Luana and I could not even be in the same room. Like we would fight. Now? No, it's tr- no, Oh, really? Before. No, but I mean now. Like our twenties, now we are very close, and I attribute yeah, and I attribute a lot of it to my parents' divorce. I think my parents, I they never said that, but I do believe that the way we behave towards each other contributed a lot for them to get divorced. We could not be like we could not stand in the same room. I'm not joking. Like chairs would be flying, screams. What does that what does that have to do with your parents' divorce, though? Can you live in a house like that? With two kids I that constantly kinda, fighting, like, and you as a parent trying to, like, today as a parent, on. I see like. I thought like you were saying that you and your you and your sister were fighting because your parents did not get along. You're saying your no, parents no, did not no. get along because the sisters were fighting. <laughs> yes, I attribute. Yes, uh, I I actually was completely oblivious that they were not getting along. <laughs> I was completely oblivious when they told me they was gonna they were gonna divorce. I was like, oh, why? <laughs> and my sister was like. What do you mean, why? Usually the first thing they tell, the parents tell the kids, it's not your fault, you didn't do this. Your parents told you, oh, it is your fault. It's you and your no. sister, that's why we're divorcing. <laughs> they didn't have to. No, they never said that. They always no, said, know. you know, we love you and all the right things. But I do believe now to but they, we need to like separate being the two a mom of you. and seeing, I know. <laughs> you go with your mom and you go with your father. And you <laughs> oh, we couldn't be together. I'm not joking. We couldn't be together. The whole family, like we have a, like so my, my family's, half Lebanese so it's I imagine it's like your family somehow Uh, everybody knows about everybody it's like a whole confusion and I mean we were known in the family by that and to this date we are known by like not being able to be together it it was a nightmare (laughs) like it was a nightmare that's funny she drove me crazy you know what Luana will do no Luana would uh, she's an actress right so she was an actress since she was born so she would look at me she would like let's say she wanted something she would say i want i want your dress i want to wear it It was like i would be like no you're not wearing it she was like oh yeah i'm gonna ask mommy i was like what ask mommy what's she gonna do she was like oh yeah so she would like pinch herself like hard (laughs) to leave like a bruise she would start fake crying and she like, you know my sister, right? She's like very fair skin, green eyes, big eyes. She will ball looking at me. Oh my seriously, God. but the like tears 
coming, rolling down, and my mom will come, and I'm like, I, I didn't know it, man. My sister's like, she bit me. And my, my mom would totally believe her because I was... Because <laughs> she's a very good actress. I was she's so, a very good actress. And then I would get actress. so angry. <laughs> and what your audience doesn't know is that so she's... And I would get so angry, so angry, then, then my... What your audience doesn't know is that she studies improv, so she's really good at making stuff up on yes. the fly. Oh, she knows how to improv. And then my mommy would carry her, like, oh, poor you, oh poor you. God. And she would, like, smile at me, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or she would say, like, she would, she would grab my stuff and she would be wearing, like, my favorite dress. And I would be like, you're wearing my dress. It's my dress. She was like, I don't think so. I think this dress is mine. Oh and I'd be like, no, this is my dress. She was like, I found in my drawer. I'm like, totally, oh she God. didn't, you That's know. That's exactly your walk. sister. No, it was That's a nightmare. Exactly oh, it was her. a nightmare. It's yeah. amazing she's alive so, that you didn't kill her. Really. I never hit her physically. I only <laughs> held her. Like she would get angry at me sometimes and I would hold her head. Right. And that would make her very angry. But I, you know, I never punched anyone. Never. Well, the day's not over. I know. <laughs> You're lucky because you the other side I know because you'd be punching me. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever punched someone? No. No. Never got in a fight. Have you ever have you ever been close to punching someone? No. I haven't gotten in a fight. I mean there's people I want Are you there's people me? I want to kill. You never want But I've never got into a fight, no. <laughs> okay, let me rephrase. Have you ever killed someone? <laughs> uh, my lawyer has told me don't say my that. lawyer I don't my know. lawyer has told know. me I'm not supposed know. to answer that question. <laughs> On the advice of counsel, I plead the fifth. <laughs> but you're so irritable. You are so irritable. Yes, How come you never wanted to punch someone? I, oh, I, I, I know no, you no, are. No, I wanted to punch a million you. people. Every time I see you, I want to punch you. But I know better than doing that. So. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I can't talk. Like you never punch your brother. Uh, yeah, we play, but that's just normal brother fighting. It's not. It's just normal brother stuff. But no, never, never, <laughs> never got into a fight. Never got into a fight. Okay. Was your mom a strong woman? How was how was mom? Yeah, she's pretty strong. Yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, yeah, she was actually my teacher. She was my science teacher from grade six till from sixth grade up until ninth grade. So she taught me science at my school and my brother. That is awesome. Yeah, and so all my friends were all knew her. So that they would come awesome. to the house and they would that. be teacher. Yeah, it was always uh, it was her. She taught us. She taught all my friends. She even kicked me out of that she even kicked so me out of cool. class. How was she, that? Was it a good thing? No, or not? not a good thing. She kicked me out of class. I remember <laughs> kicking me out of class because I was being too loud or making too many jokes. She definitely did that. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then she called your mom. No, she didn't call my mom. She kicked, she kicked me out of class. She kicked me out of class. I, I definitely. My brother. I, I know she's your mom. Yeah. I'm just making oh, a joke. My brother too has the same memories of being kicked out of class for talking or something. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. What did your father do? My father was a salesman for various uh, drug companies, medical supplies or drug companies, Alcon sharing, uh, a bunch of companies like that. So sort of the medical field uh, adjacent, medical field adjacent, let's put it that way. Oh. So he always knew a lot of doctors, always was involved in the field, but uh, not an MD himself. Wow. I always start the podcast and we completely oh, We haven't even started it. yet? Um, you you are you're so interesting. No, I always start by asking how did we meet, and I totally. I mean, we start talking. I totally deviated, but how did we meet? Do you remember? Uh, it's burned into my memory. How can I forget? Uh, we met. Uh, <laughs> it was at an intern director meeting, or it was a, some VCA meeting where you were presenting. I think so. And, yeah. Uh, it, 
Yeah. I can probably tell you exactly when it was. It was about four years ago. Yeah, it was in June. It was intern director meeting because I was about, it was April. I was about to go to Brazil for the, for, uh, to Brasilia, excuse me. And um, you said, oh, you should meet my sister. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't need anybody to show me around. I don't need anything like that. I'm fine on my own. And yeah, that's you literally met. said that. You literally said that. I went I know, to you I just told all you that. like all like nice and kind. I was new to the to the company. I was like, hi. Well, I think I think I, I like, introduced myself sweet, first, which I'm usually not. Right. Well, I introduced myself you saying did, yes, something right. about I love Brazil, blah blah blah. Uh, I, I've been fortunate enough to visit Brazil a number of times, and I had been to Brasilia, and Brasilia had been only once before for just I think it was two days. I went to see the Niemeyer stuff, but I remember thinking this is not enough time to see everything mm-hmm. I wanted to see. It was en route actually to the Pantanal. From there, we went to the Pantanal. So yes, yeah, so I decided to go back, and then I saw you. We started talking, and the rest is uh, podcast history. And I literally said, oh, you said I'm going to Brazil. Like you were going very soon, like in, within a couple of months or something or weeks even. And I, I think said, it was June. It was the end of June. Yeah. And I said, oh, so you we should. must have met the end of April and this was the end of June. Yeah. And I said, you should totally. Oh, I'm going to tell my sister. You should totally meet her there. She can show you around. You're like, no, I, I don't like to travel with other people. I don't like to. Like you literally like I was it's like, true. oh. Damn it! Okay, um, I still can't believe I still can't believe I accepted the invitation to meet your sister. Very funny. I absolutely did. I never would. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> I insisted. I said my sister is really laid back. She's not annoying. She's gonna be great to show you around. Insisted or forced me? Forced insisted it. or forced I me? I might what are you have. To say here? I think you forced me. Did I get your phone and wrote her contact info? I don't remember. If I can go back in time, you'd never get my phone number again. <laughs> oh wait! Don't say that's too soon. Heck, if I can delete, if I can delete my phone, my number from your phone, I'd be even happier. But is in the clouds, my friend. Uh, I like to get that cloud. I know. So, but you had to use her phone number, and I wanted to tell this story. Because you ended up going to Brazil. I did have to use her. You ended up going. I did end up yeah. going to Brazil. You, do you want me to tell the story? Is that what you want me to yes. tell my favorite, yes. my, my famous yes, story? Yes, my favorite story. Yes. You, is that just because it's embarrassing? Yes. Okay, so I went to Brasilia. And it was supposed to be Brasilia and Manaus and um, Rio, of course. No, no, no. I think it was just Brasilia, Manaus, and Fortaleza, maybe. Or it was a third city. A third city was supposed to be there. But um, my uncle was basically on his deathbed when I landed. So I didn't know how long I was going to have there. It was moment by moment. I didn't want to cancel my trip because I didn't know. And that's he was in Israel. And I knew if I needed to go back for a funeral, that's, that's, I, that would be the only reason I would have to cancel my trip. So I flew to Brasilia, and then I found out he's not doing well, and I have to get on a plane. So I basically had one and a half days there. And I said, okay, I'll see if I can do as much as I possibly can in one day. And uh, I went out. I saw all the sights. I ate all my favorite foods, including one of my favorites, these... Uh, on the street, they sell pink popcorn. We have it here in North America, but there was something particularly attractive about that. So I had a bag of that and all the all the other amazing Brazilian foods. So all is good. And then um, I was able to schedule a flight the following day late in the evening. And that evening, I go to pee. And sure enough, I'm having <laughs> uh, what looks like uh, urine uh, that's covered in blood, hem- hematuria. So I thought I had bloody urine. 
And I'm like freaking out a little bit, but then I realized, no, 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 no. It's probably just the pink popcorn. It happens when you eat beets. I pee red, so I often scare myself when I go to pee in the middle of the night after eating beets and I think I have blood in them. Oh, no, no, I had beets. So I'm sure it's the pink popcorn. Well, it did not stop. It continued all night long. And then I had also uh, polyuria where I needed to pee all the time. I felt like I needed to pee. And then I'm thinking, okay, now this is kind of weird because pink urine is one thing, but why do I have to pee so much? And the, woke up in the morning. So now we're talking about 16, 18 hours after I've eaten anything. And really just as pink, just as red really as it was the night before. So I'm thinking this is not right. At the same time, I knew I had to get on a flight that evening to Tel Aviv via New York. So that would have been, I think, a 36-hour uh, transfer. I have a history of drinking a lot of Diet Coke. My record was three two-liter bottles a day, by the way. So six liters of Diet Coke a day. So at this point, yeah. But I haven't had a sip of Diet Coke for the last four and a half months. I haven't had a single sip, so I'm pretty good, pretty proud of that. But at the time, I started to worry about a kidney stone. I did not want a kidney stone in on the middle of the plane uh, over the Atlantic Ocean. My grandmother, who was an MD, used to say, because uh, she was afraid to fly towards the end of her life from Israel to Canada, because she had, uh, a plane is essentially a metal coffin, meaning if something happens to you on the <laughs> plane, they can't do anything for you. And, and she's right. That's, I mean, you true. have a heart attack over the Atlantic, yep. you're going to die. Yep. So I called Luana, your sister, and I said, I need to go see a doctor because I want to make sure, even if it's not, uh, anything I bad. basically I saved your life. I just want to say that. For the record, you had nothing to do with any of this part <laughs> except for introducing me to her. Um, and, and, you know, by the way, when we end this story, I will remind you the warning you could have given me to avoid this whole story. But uh, so Luana takes me to a hospital, which was um, not, not the type of hospital I'm used to seeing here, but it's a hospital nonetheless. <laughs> and we speak to a, a doctor there, and she had to translate because I don't speak Portuguese. And he would ask things like, you know, about my sex life, about my urinary output, my, oh my, my prostate. And I want to remind you, I've, I've known Luana for about 36 hours now, so she knows <gasps> all my history. And uh, he says, well, you know, maybe this or that. She I never said, told me that part. Me, She's a me? good friend to you. Yeah, yeah. Can you? I did, but you forgot. Uh, can you give me pain meds? Can you give me antibiotics just in case? And he said, sure. So he said, he'll give me that. He goes, do you want something to stop the bleeding as well? And by the way, at this point, I'm peeing more and more all the time. And uh, it's still it's, it's still red. I mean, absolutely red. And I said, sure, give me that. I want something to stop the bleeding as well. I said, okay, so we're waiting and waiting and waiting. I'm like, what are we waiting for? In the meantime, I'm watching all these people walking around literally holding their IV bags as they walk around. I didn't understand. Long story, a little bit shorter, the medication to get me to stop bleeding is an IV they put into you. And I'm like, uh-uh-uh. You're basically holding the needle. It was not even a catheter. It was just a needle that was put into their arm. I'm like, nope, not taking that. I'll take the, uh, I'll take the antibiotics and the painkillers. And I did that, and we went to the plane, and I looked for cranberry sauce as well. Cranberry juice all over uh, Brasilia was not easy to find. She took me to like a almost like a Whole Foods holistic grocery store. I bought cranberry juice. Yeah. Freaking out. Yeah. Time zone to get back on the... Pão de açúcar is the name. Yeah. Uh, luckily, the agent at the United desk was very kind, and she gave me a, um upgrade, which was nice. I flew from... Uh, 
<laughs> I forgot about this part. I flew from Brazil to New York, and I had about 10 hours in New York, so I went into the city to visit some friends, and I figured, you know what, let me go to a dock in the box. Let me go to an urgent care. And I go to this urgent care on the Upper West Side, and this doctor who I had, she shook my hand, and it felt like I was shaking a dead fish. She had the worst handshake in the world, and I lost all confidence in her right away. She was asking me all these stupid questions, and then her differential diagnosis was... I'm not making this up. I swear to God. She goes, well, it's either too much Diet Coke or it could be an aortic aneurysm. I'm like, no, no. Those are I not differentials. That. Those are absolutely not differentials. Yes, you either just drank too much Coke and, and you're dying. Yeah, those, those were her two. That's, yeah, or your, your aorta is exploding. It was one or the other. And um, she, she, I think she ran an in-house, she ran an in-house uh, uh, urine test and there was no blood in the urine which was yeah. kind of weird, but uh, we were waiting for a culture. She, I, anyway, yeah, that was my, and I got back on a plane and I flew to Israel because my uncle actually had died and it was the funeral continuing. Now we're talking seven days later with bloody urine, seven days later. I get back to the US and I must have called you. And by the way, keep mm -hmm. in mind, I've been doing Google searches the whole time, trying to figure this out, nothing. So you do a Google search in mm -hmm. Portuguese, Mm -hmm. And something comes up. Turns out the pink popcorn leads to bloody like urine. So I'm just thinking, what kind of chemicals are they using that continue to leave dye in the urine seven days later? What kind of rustoleum spray paint, toxic, like I can't even imagine. I suspect my kidneys, even now, four years later, have remnants of whatever the chemical they have in that pink popcorn Okay, is. So, full yeah, so disclosure. That's my pink popcorn full story. disclosure. I said yeah. the story was funny, but it's not because of your uncle. And second full disclosure, that right. had never happened to me my whole life. And I grew up on this street popcorn, the same one you, you buy. You probably have Brazilian <laughs> kidneys. You have Brazilian kidneys. Or I just got it from one bag. Well, no, obviously, it's not just the one person I got it from. If it was made onto, you know, Portuguese Google. Yeah. You know, I'm so kind I'm to you, you that I actually that bought. Story. I know I I'm a true lover. <laughs> I actually bought you the popcorn before this whole coronavirus. We are actually recording this during the uh, pandemic. Okay. And okay. like three weeks ago, I went to the Brazilian store and I knew we were going to be together. And yeah. I went there and I bought the popcorn <laughs> to give it you. So it's here. So whenever the pandemic's not, over, you have not, popcorn. Are you, are you serious? They don't sell yes. that at that store. I look. Yes, I bought two packages. They do? Yep. Oh, the, no, I, yeah. you should have bought me the pipoca. You know I like the pipoca. Yeah, that's what I bought, the pipoca. Yeah, but pipoca is not pink. No, that one is not pink. That's uh, there's the white one. No, but it's, they don't sell. Yeah, no, I love I love pipoca, but yeah, it's not the pipoca that I had. This was the pink popcorn. It was popcorn. Yeah, because that the, it was not, because it was, the dye is illegal was, in the United States. They won't <laughs> sell it here. <laughs> as it should be, as it should be, probably banned all over the world, except for it was actually outside the church, outside. Um, yes, uh, yes, Oscar the cathedral, beautiful cathedral. church. Yeah. yeah. Not far from the, the bus station next to the mall that your sister told me, oh, that's the prostitute They probably station. use gasoline like, well, to, to make know. that, Ori, just so you know. It's, yeah, some sort of turpentine-based uh, <laughs> chemical, no doubt. Something definitely, definitely that's been banned in horses for years, I'm guessing. Oh but I still God. love Brazil, anyway, yeah? I had and I had did have some really good food with your sister. So That is true. Yeah. yeah, you had a lot of, yes. she knows where to go to eat. Yes, she's, yes, she knows her stuff. And it's a beautiful city. 
One thing I don't know about you is that why did you decide to be a vet? We never talked about it. Growing up, you just mentioned your family, nobody's a vet. And yeah, I don't have, I actually don't have a good story for that. I honestly don't have a good story for that. I grew up in an environment where I was told you sort of have to be the medical profession. And uh, the joke I used to say is my parents always said I could be a doctor, a dentist, or a lawyer. I can pick one of those three. I did not feel like I had much choice due to various, um, how should you put it, anti-Semitic or uh, creeds in, so my parents grew up in Romania after the war and there were limitations on basically Jews in schools. So my mother did not go to medical school as her mother did. My father was not able to go to school like he wanted to. And so it was sort of assumed that I would be, end up in the medical field, a doctor of some sort. And I always, I, I always listened to my, my, my elders. And so I assumed that's what was going to happen to me. So part of that story is that, that I always wanted to, mm -hmm. uh, I, I never felt I had a choice. That's part of the story. Part of the story is when I was 12 years old, we went to SeaWorld in San Diego and, uh, I decided I love dolphins and I want to be a dolphin vet. So that's how that came about. And it's interesting <laughs> three or four years ago, I ended up going back to that same SeaWorld with Michelle Chin's internship class. And I stood there and I realized, oh my God, this is the place where I decided I want to be a vet, which is fascinating. So that's part of the story. What do you mean that's not part a good story? story? That's a great story. No, no, no. I didn't say it's not a good story. I said it's part of the story. The other part of the story is when I was in high school, I was dating a young woman who, by the way, was six foot two and a half. For your listeners, I'm five foot six. So she was six <laughs> foot two. She still is six foot two and a half. And uh, we were dating. She was not Jewish. My parents did not like that. And so we actually ended up breaking up, but we got back together. But to be able to see her without my parents knowing I'm seeing her, there weren't very many places we can go. And my good friend Judy had a sister who lived in the Guelph, Helen, and Judy was dating her now husband for many, many years. And so we all used to go together to visit Helen's house. And at Helen's house, we each had our own room. And... Uh, we did what high school kids do, I guess. And we did that over and over. And I would just keep telling my parents, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to Guelph to check out the university. Well, when it came time to pick a university, the only place I'd been was Guelph. So I sort of had to go there. And their big school is vet school. So that's kind of what I had to become. The other part of the story <laughs> is that I say I always wanted, I'm not sure I wanted to be a vet, but I wanted to get into vet school because it was such a prestigious thing. Mm -hmm. So I also like the, to get into, you know, it was difficult. So that's why I wanted to do it. So all the, oh, the other story was I went to, in my final year in high school, I went to the University of Toronto open house, medical school open house, but I had a flu. I wasn't feeling well and I didn't get sick, but I definitely felt nauseous seeing and smelling what I saw. And I decided this is not what I want to do. I also was tempted to do something in the business world. I remember thinking that veterinary medicine can be a business as well. So all mm -hmm. those things together came to that. And, you know, my parents would even say things like, I don't care what you do after you get your degree, you get your degree and you do whatever you want. I mean, first. And I have to say, I've been very, very lucky. Vet school has, I mean, being a veterinarian, it's who I am. It's how I define myself. And I've never had to worry about a job. There's always something. So it's always comforting. My, my parents were absolutely right. It's good to have a degree. You can always fall back on. That's but right. But God forbid I have but to your go practice now. A lot of animals will die. I know. We're going to talk about it. Wait, put a pin there. We're going to talk about it. But you, you mentioned your grandmother was a doctor, a human doctor. That it was not yeah, common, yeah, yeah. especially no, at, not at all. She graduated from the Serp. She graduated from um, from Paris before World War II. The big deal. Uh, Obi guy. 
And I bet she was cool. probably the only woman in her uh, woman in her class, or maybe there were a couple. I think one or two or three or something like that. Yeah, not very many of it for sure. Not. How was growing up with that? She was, I'm sure, very strong, right? Because to be able to. She was a very she was a very strong woman, but she uh, struggled with various forms of cancer throughout her life, and uh, oh, I'm sorry. in 1979, 79, around late 70s. Must have been yeah, around then I must have been twelve ish, thirteen, something like that. She had a total laryngectomy because she had uh, laryngeal cancer, and even she was smoking for she was a heavy smoker, and she went to see her her ENT who kept saying no 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 it's nothing for a full year never he missed the diagnosis so she had a total laryngectomy oh, no. and that's a very difficult thing to basically lose your voice for someone who was a very powerful very strong woman who had uh, a very strong voice in the family in the community and so it was very difficult for her that is so powerful what you just said like you lose your voice and literally i cannot imagine if that yeah. happened to me how it would be. I mean, she was sort of able to, she did classes to be able to speak and try to make sounds with her uh, with, through the opening. And then eventually she got one of those machines where you talk like a robot. But uh, it's not the same, mm -hmm. right? Especially for a very, very strong personality. Like my grandfather was always the meek one, the quiet one. And then it became, he became the, the top, talkative one. So, yeah. Oh, wow. How did that shape you? How did that impact your childhood and growing up and your... Mm -hmm. I never thought about it. I don't think it impacted me. I Were mean, you close it, to them? Yeah, I know, very close to my grandparents. But uh, I don't think it impacted me directly, except that I never picked up a cigarette. I also know I have a very, I have a very compulsive personality. So if I start something, I have a tough time stopping it. And so I knew if I started smoking, I probably won't be able to stop. So I never, I, uh, I mean, I've smoked a little bit as an adult, but I really didn't very, I mean, one or two cigarettes, but um, never really smoke out of fear of not being able to stop. But it, it did not, uh, I think I was already, four, you know, 12, 13, 14, however old. I, no, I must have been younger than that. Um, I think I was 10 years old, let's say, because, um, yeah, 78, 79-ish, because... Um, yeah, you're sort of formed and my empathy was already there. So it just makes you more empathetic. Mm -hmm. But never, never, I don't think it changed who I am. I know you're not, you correct me if I'm wrong, I know you're not very religious, but I know your family is very religious. Is that right? No, absolutely not. Absolutely no? not. You don't, know, you don't know me at all, do you? No, that's why we're doing this. I know. I wish I could remember the time when I didn't know you. So how was religion growing up? That. Was it a big part? <laughs> it is no, too late. No, absolutely not. Ab religion was, ab yeah, I know it's too late. Uh, religion was definitely not a big part. We were uh, Jewish, as I said before, but culturally more than religious. We did some of the, you know, we still do some of the big holidays, but not from a religious perspective. But ab uh, you're absolutely wrong in that it was not a religious house by any means ever. Mm -hmm. Culturally, that's basically it. Yeah, I, w I actually grew up very religious. It's a religion that does not exist here in the United States. But anyway, um, I was very involved until up, like I think 15. Very, very. What involved. religion doesn't exist in the US? Well, at least I have never heard about it. It's called, in Brazil, it's called the Spiritism. Like basically, you believe that once you die, your spirit continues to live and evolves and you're born again. It, they believe in reincarnation, they believe in karma. They believe that the spirits live among us. But that's not a full religion. Us. That's it just is a full part, religion. That's part no, of no, a religion. It's a, 
No, it's a full religion. So there's like the book that we follow. Um, that's called the Book of the Spirits, and um, Alan Kardec is a big name on that. Um, hmm. Anyway, and so there's a whole thing. Like there's a whole. So you're saying you're a witch. So you're a witch. I was always, I was always a witch, but no, that's not the, what the religion believes. Um, but they believe like the spirits can. Sorry, influence that was witch with a W, not with a B. I don't understand. Now, hey, wait. That would be bitch with a B. No, both. I was both. Like Never the mind. broom and yes. everything. Um, yes. Yes. But okay, both ways, both ways. Um, but yeah, we be, like, believe that they influence your decisions, that there's a whole parallel world around us and spirits living here and going through their like journeys. And then once, you know, we evolve, you, we are born in a different planet and you... It goes on and on and on. Um, and that was from both your parents' side? My parents does not believe in God. He was raised, born and raised Catholic. And your father? My grandparents, my father. My parents on my father's side, side are very religious and they're Catholic. But Jorah Brazil was Catholic. My mom's side was um, the religion just said. But then my father, since I can remember, never believed in God. And he was completely against the whole church thing. Like he wouldn't even drive us there. Or he wouldn't, he would not. <laughs> my father doesn't attend weddings there are in churches or uh, baptism or anything. Like he, he won't wow. step. He does not enter a church, church at yeah. all. Because he doesn't believe in it or because he's afraid yeah. of it or why? Yeah. He said he doesn't believe in it. I don't know what the real reasons are because my grandfather said he was very religious growing up too. Um, but he says, I don't believe. I don't want, um, you know, I don't want put effort or even, you know, how can I say, like, be one that reinforces the idea of religion. So he says, if I don't believe it, gotcha. there's no reason for me to go celebrate that you're getting married in a church because I don't believe that's hypocrisy. And, and how did your mother feel about that? Because Oh, I, maybe that's why they got divorced. <laughs> because <laughs> oh, because so my mother, to this, day, <laughs> to this day, my mother is so, so religious to the point where I had to scream at her via... FaceTime or whatnot because she said I need to go teach at church and like you can't the coronavirus is there <laughs> and she was like but people are counting on me I was like you're not teaching people to be doctors you don't need to go there right <laughs> anyway it was a whole thing but yeah so I I can't I think, believe it took you this long to realize that's probably why they split up this whole time you thought it was just because you and Luana are fighting because I, now that's a very opposite my parents uh, <laughs> for sure that helped <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, my mom is extremely religious and um, we mm. have a lot of, um, yeah, she tries a little too hard to convince you. Um, so sometimes we do have some arguments about it because nowadays I, I don't believe in God. I don't have religion. I don't, I'm not against how, going to a church or anything like that. I just don't, it doesn't make sense to me. How are you raising your kids? Not religious. If they asked, they, they were, um, so they came to us, they were, I'm imagining Catholic because that's the main religion in Brazil. So I'm imagining that's how they grew up. So they definitely came believing in God. Um, right. We don't tell them not to. We give them space. I just tell them you can be whatever you want. You can choose your religion. There are multiple religions in the world. And they were like, oh, like they were unaware of that until Bo found out. Hmm. The majority of their friends here, we live in a community that um, there are a lot of Jewish. Um, it's a Jewish community, very strong here. So they are friends. So they are 
finding out about the holidays and everything. And then Bo found out about <laughs> the, um, what is the name? I'm so sorry, my ignorance. Like that you celebrate every okay. day. It's instead of Christmas, uh, Hanukkah. Hanukkah. And he he came home. And, it's, it's not instead of Christmas. Yes, you're right. It's a hol- separate holiday altogether. I don't, I don't even celebrate Christmas. So just for full disclosure, I'm not choosing one. But No, 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 no. But that Hanukkah thing, kids getting gifts, only happens here in the U.S. Because Hanukkah tends to be around oh, really? Christmas time. Usually it's winter. And so here, because all the Jewish kids have to see their friends getting gifts for Christmas and they don't, Jewish parents here instituted, you know, a gift a day type of thing. But that does not happen anywhere else in the I world. I didn't just know North, that. Yeah, just North America. Oh, wow. So so the counterparts in Canada don't get gifts? Well, Canada too. I am in North America, but in Israel, absolutely not. It's a white. <laughs> I mean, you light the candles every night for eight nights, but you don't get, no, you don't get gifts at all. Uh-huh. No. Yeah, because he definitely came home. And I think I texted you saying you need to explain uh, to them what it means. And they are very curious about it, which I think is that I, I really like to know that they are interested in all the religions and right. getting to know. But definitely he started that for, for the wrong reasons because he wanted a gift. Yes. So I was like, uh, well, no, happy you should remind him of other holidays. I can light like, the candles for you. Yeah, but you should remind him of Yom Kippur, which is our day of atonement where you have to fast for 28 hours, no food, no water. Ooh, that Tell would, them yeah. if you want gifts, maybe you got to go with this Bo one as well. Right? Or or Passover where you have to eat terrible unleavened flat bread with no taste for 8 7 days and uh yeah, there's lots of there's negatives for those 7 days of uh yes. I will let Uncle Odie break the news to him. How yes, about that? Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you be the, me- yes. the carry the message. Yeah, Happy but we do, we don't. Yeah, uh, Chloe was very. Chloe still, I think, struggles a little bit um, in a sense that she, she she thinks she needs to make a choice. I was like, you don't need to choose. You can mm. change your mind. And I tell her I grew up religious, and she she I think she wrestles with it. Maybe feeling guilt. I'm not sure. But I tell them I I will happily drive you if you want to go to church, or I'll happily you know buy books and read with you. That I just don't believe it. I just. But what about from your husband's side of the family? Um, Catholic. But are they are uh, are they p- pushing it on them or quote unquote? Um, Is there more religion from that side? I mean, some people do make an argument that kids need to have religion. Mm-hmm. Well, I can see why people can say that. Um, I also think it depends how you raise and how you are family. I think there's no recipe to be a family. Our family already started right. in a way that is very unusual on its own. So I think yes. for us, rules are not applicable. <laughs> and mm. um, I think we do leave, um, you know, because if you look at religion, majority of them uh, or the ones I know, they all follow like be kind, be nice to one another, you know, respect each other. And so I think those values we definitely have at home. And I think yeah, that's what I th- matters. I'm not. I'm not advocating religion one way or the other. But I mm-hmm. think one of the reasons it works, mm-hmm. to a certain extent, is because kids are then told if you don't do A, B, or C, there is this higher power, or you will end up in hell, or this will happen, or this will happen, or or you know, uh, Jesus died for you doing for the, your sins. So I think there's the mm-hmm. the negative that comes from religion as opposed to mom saying, oh, you should be kind. I just think, re- again, I'm not advocating one way or the other, but uh, and I don't, I, I don't believe, I don't, I don't believe in God at all. But yeah, no, I I love this topic. I love that we're talking about it. 
I don't believe in in, God, in a God anymore. It took me a long mm-hmm. time to get to that point, but I don't believe in a God. But I wonder if there is value for children to believe in religion. Now, the, the negative to that is uh, yes. it's very difficult to get out of it on your own, right? Like, you don't know where it's going to end up. It could end up like yes. your mother or it could end up like yeah. you. No, I, I think that's a valid, and I love talking about it, and I think that's a valid point. But uh, everything with the kids, we based everything on truth and like on natural consequences. So um, it's very hard not to have a punishment. I'd say, oh, if you don't do your homework, you know, you're not going to have TV. I mean, we try. it's hard because that's an easy route. And it works temporarily, but long-term it doesn't. So we try with them like natural consequences. Yes, I understand that. But with the religion, there's that constant, no pun intended, fear of God. No, I understand. And that's, and that's my point. Yeah. Yeah, and that I understand, but that's my whole point is because that's not the reason why someone should be doing something because they fear something bigger than themselves. They should be doing that, in my point of view, because they truly believe that that's the correct thing to do, and not because yeah, someone. Yeah, but these are gonna, children. These are. It's, but they. It's different you for would children. be amazed. You would be amazed how, if you explain, they understand. Because it's, you know, you don't, at least, I mean, again, I've been a mom for two and a half years. Who am I to kind of lecture about how to be a mom? But um, it would be amazing. two and a half more years than me. I know. But you'll be amazed how when you choose to say the truth and and explain the consequences. And and I put in examples. I said, if I do this at my work, if I don't do my homework, if I don't do this, if I don't do that, um, then I get fired. And the consequence of that is this and this and that. And they seem to understand. They do, and they they are very empathetic. They are very empathetic kids. And so, and again, I don't know how much of that is for us or not, but I don't think you need to have the fear of God to grow as a decent human being, as a kind person, just because you fear something bigger. I, I, I don't think I was saying that, but I think I was saying that, uh, well, maybe I was saying that. Yeah. <laughs> No, I think that's, and I think it's very difficult for people to wrap that. Like, definitely, I get a lot of comments. One, when they find out that we adopted kids being able to have biological. So people get, they don't know what to say, and they usually will say things that are not very kind. And I also get the same <laughs> type of behavior when I tell them that they don't have religion. Like, some people are very forceful. Some people even say, yes. Um, you know, there's no way they're going to have a good life and there's no way they need to have God in their lives. And like, you're really missing the point here <laughs> because, you know. I think if people if people are surprised that you didn't breed naturally, you should tell them that you were told by many people that because of your personality, <laughs> we do not want any more people like you on this earth. I tell. I tell everybody and should thank by me. by you adopting, you are doing the best thing for the world what do you tell them? Sorry, I lost you. I tell people, I say, hey, I, I did you a favor. You should thank me. <laughs> Odie, yes. I did myself a favor. Yes, I yes, cannot raise someone like me. Like, I just did myself a favor. <laughs> no, that's, to a certain extent. And I, again, I do not believe in a God, but I wonder if kids need to. I, I, I have not ever read one page of Harry Potter. I have not mm-hmm. seen one minute um, of the Harry Potter movie. We can't be my friends anymore. Have we can't be read, friends. My nephews have not seen Harry I, I would have told you this four years ago if I knew it was that easy. But my point <laughs> is, I wonder if in today's cultural world, do my will my nephews suffer because they don't know the Harry Potter trilogy? Because, or it's not trilogy, the Harry Potter books, because everybody knows them. 
There's right? seven like that. books. Only. And I wonder if there is a need. Okay, seven books. Uh, my point is, do they need to know that to be culturally aware for the rest of their lives or not? Will it hurt them? I don't know. I know people who've never watched Star Wars and they're doing just fine. But does it play a part? And does the lack of a God play a part in someone's life later on? I, I don't know what the answer is. I th- yeah. I'm happy with the way I turned out to be religiously in mm-hmm. that I grew up in a Hebrew school that was not religious, but we definitely discussed all the holidays, learned all the holidays, celebrated all the holidays. But I was able to get to a point where I realized I don't believe in a God mm-hmm. on my own, mm-hmm. period. But I guess by the same token, your kids might realize they do believe in a God later on. Yeah, and so that's exactly what I tell them. You can you can believe in a God if you want, if it makes you feel better. Listen, it's way easier to explain things if there's a God. It's way easier, especially with their past yeah. and the trauma. But does, does anybody pick up, do people pick up religion later in life? Yeah. I don't know if they do. Yeah, people do. People convert. They yeah. do? Yep. And so I think, you know, the same way, and I leave that up to them. I just, it, it believe me, it will make my life way easier to say, oh, just pray to God, just ask to God. Oh, it's God that's not giving right. us this. God that wanted this way. Right. No, you're it's right. way easier. Listen, religion is a bit of a crutch, right? It is. It's, it's something to blame or someone to... And to it, it's great for some people. It's... I think there's no recipe. I think some people definitely need that. For the vast majority of the world. For the very vast majority of the world. I just better. can't it's wrap just my few, head around. A very like, small number of folks like us. Yeah. Like I tell, um, I tell people all the time, to me, and I'm not joking about this, it makes way more sense, the Matrix movie, than God itself. It makes way more sense to me that we exist to generate energy to a superior race than that God just created was... Yeah, you you lost me on that one. I think they're both equally unparalleled. Do you think so? I think that about a lot, like, why do we exist? Do you think about that a lot? Like, why? Like, really, like, physically, why are we here? Like, is this real? No, I don't. I don't. You think don't think about that. about that? I honestly don't think about that. I think that at least once I, a day, I like, is this real? I never wonder if it's real. It's all real. No, I, I never, ever think about it. I mean, sometimes I think of what does it all mean? You know, where's what's the universe? But then after about six seconds, I'm like, ah, oh, that hurts my head. I can't think about this. And I worry about something else. I think about it's this a I mean, lot. Was, no. no I and never. I wish I could believe in I religion. I think we should stop being friends. We should just stop being friends because we believe in such different things. And I think it's we should stop being friends. It's too late now. It's too late now. I want to go back to the point you were talking about your career because you are a atypical veterinarian. You are a veterinarian that does not practice medicine per se. You don't, you're not a clinician, a practitioner anymore. And that must have been, I'm assuming it was hard to make the decision and the transition. Or how, how did you, how did that happen to you? Like with everything in my life, it's very complicated, very complicated. Um, I was practicing in New York State. As a, I was not a U.S. green card yet, in New York State had and may still have a strange law where unless you're a uh, U.S. green card or, re- sorry, resident or citizen, you cannot get a permanent license. So uh, after eight years of practicing in New York, I was no longer allowed to practice in the state. So I started commuting to New Jersey, working in New Jersey in various different hospitals in Jersey. But the commute was killing me, absolutely killing me, because it was a very difficult commute. Mm-hmm. And I did not want to leave New York City. So I, I had a choice, either stay in New York and not be a veterinarian anymore, 
or move somewhere else and continue being a veterinarian until I get my, my citizenship, my green card, my green card slash citizenship. So yeah, so that happened. And then at the same time, I, I've told this story many times working at a practice, you've heard this many times of working at a practice, that uh, a very uh, subpar practice, and coming back after deciding I can't work there anymore because I was selling my veterinary soul to keep working there. I told them I, I will stop working. They asked me to cover one more ship several weeks later. I came back, I did it, and they said they hired somebody I know. They told me who that person is, and it was a person I had trained as a receptionist, trained her as a technician, even wrote her a letter of reference for a vet school through a friend. And I called her up. I said, do not take this job. And she did not take that job because it's a terrible practice that gives all of us a bad name. And I love that feeling. I love that feeling that she ended up in a good place. Then I don't exactly remember how I found out that there might be a position for some sort of a recruiter position in the Northeast. I contacted the head of the Northeast at the time, who was someone I worked with before, and we basically carved out the position of recruiter for VCA and created that role. But it was a, it was a difficult decision to make because I was looking to open up a practice or to leave practice altogether. And so mm -hmm. that's how that decision was made. But how did you make that decision? Uh, at the end of the decision was, do I want to be a vet outside of New York City or do I want to not practice but continue to live in New York City? And never in a million years would I believe I'm ever going to leave New York City. And so that's how that came about. It was, I, I'm staying in my apartment, I'm staying in New York, I just won't practice anymore. And the, the thought was always, if in X number of months to years I get my green card, then I can open up a practice if I wanted to. Now, sure enough, eight months after I signed up with VCA, I got my green card. And did you ever consider like or? Well, for the first little bit, I used to do relief shifts and a lot of spay neuter programs since the first couple, three, four years, but that disappeared. So I have not clinically been practicing for, I would say, 10 years, which is difficult. But I mean, what do you what do you do today? Like uh, explain like your work, uh, not into the details of the company or anything, but just general. No, once you tell people what you do for a living, they expect you to do it. I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> I know you travel a lot, and that's the point I want to get. No, no, no. And 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 in all seriousness, uh, VCA, we have more interns than anybody else in the world, veterinary interns, roughly between 170 to 185 over the last five years. Historically, we have done not a very good job at retaining our own interns, meaning keeping them within the family. Mm -hmm. Our, but up until five years ago, we were averaging around 20% retention. Somebody, a former boss of mine, former mentor, Jill Clark, created this position for me because I'm a big believer in our internship program. And so she created this role for me where it would be my responsibility to ensure we hire more of our interns, we retain more of our interns at the end of our internship. And I'm very proud to say that for the last four years, five years, we have been, we've averaged 55% retention, which is significantly better than the 20% mm -hmm. we had before I started. So my role basically, but it's, it's morphed a little bit because now it's becoming increasingly more difficult to find interns. But uh, I've done a lot of different jobs within VCA, within VCA recruiting. This particular role, the way I describe it is winters are spent visiting all our interns, having a resume writing workshop with them, as well as a career guidance workshop for them. Spring is spent transferring, moving them around, getting them jobs. Summer is spent at orientations and doctor communication workshops across the country with all our interns, a value-added thing mm -hmm. for our internship program. And the fall is spent at schools trying to recruit more students for our internship programs. 
I also speak nationally at different conferences about recruiting because I have been recruiting in the field for 13 years. I speak at schools. I speak at VBMA conferences. I also, it's it's my dad's salesmanship mentality, right? So I do spend a lot of time at conferences recruiting. So it's basically all over the place. And you need to be but nice to people. mostly it's sales. It's sales to get people either into the internship or sales getting interns to stay with VCA. So that means that your life is literally you on the road. You, you're traveling all the time. Up until Corona, I was averaging, let's say, 60%, 60 to 70% on the road. And how is that? Like the, I know it, it might sound glamorous for some people. He travels, he's everywhere. But like, how is the reality of it? Well... The reality is, it's look, I'm single. I don't have any pets. Anybody with a family or with pets cannot do this job. It's as simple as that. I'm desperate to, I'm desperate to have a pet. I probably should have said I'm desperate to have a spouse, but I decided against that. Yeah, I I'm thought you were going to say a, that. I'm pet, like, mm, wow, okay. No, 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 no. Even a cat, but I can't do that because of my travel schedule. So it's a difficult thing to do. And to spend night after night in hotel, week after week, there have been def there have de definitely been periods where I'm gone for an entire month from home. There was one year I was gone separately, three separate months, an entire month at a time, because I have to visit 35 internship hospitals mm -hmm. twice a year. That's a lot of visits across the country, not and then the school visits. So it's not an easy thing to do. It's not uncommon for me to land and within 12 hours have to be on another flight. It's not uncommon for me as I unpack, I just repack. It's strange for me now to be home because I'm so used to living out of my suitcase. I have not done grocery shopping until you know COVID hit. Literally, my fridge had butter and mustard in it. That's it. And now you can't because there's nothing to be purchased. And right now, I, right, exactly. But it's okay. People ask me how I'm doing. I'm like, I'm fine because I can eat just bread and butter. That's all I eat. Oh my much. god, bread and butter is all so good. Bread, butter, cheese, and wine. Oh, yeah. I want. But like, what is the size of your luggage and how many pieces of? I'm. Sh I, you are very org. I mean. I mean, at least at work, you're very organized and you have your methods and you have your way of yeah. doing things and you don't deviate and you don't yeah. like change. So I, I bet I you have... The I think the term you're looking for is OCD. <laughs> I was going to say cranky, but anyway, OCD is better. But um, no. but how is your suitcase? I actually wanted to see it. Like, how how is it? Like, how many... I'm sure you have exactly the number of clothes you put inside. You know it. How many shirts, how many pants? Yeah, no, I'm... I'm yes, I'm... There's... Yes, I'm very good at packing. I know exactly how much to take for one trip. I can go with one small. I don't check luggage. It's always a carry-on, and I can go with a carry-on for probably two to two and a half weeks. Oh wow! Some carry-on. And all your clothes they match. So it's very. It's, Is it on purpose? Listen, they don't match, but it's it's very simple for a guy. It's really easy. You wear a pair pair of dress pants, nice shoes, a belt. Some underwear, some undershirts, and a bunch of shirts. You throw in there a jacket if it's going to be cold. You throw in there a raincoat if it's going to be rainy, and maybe a sweater. And that's basically it. So it's very easy to do. I used to travel, and maybe you travel with T-shirts or jeans or something, because if you have to, like if I have four different cities to visit, mm -hmm. I'm not going to wear my nice clothes on the plane. So I have mm -hmm. my travel clothes. Mm -hmm. But I know how to limit it uh, to the bare minimum. Let and lately I've started to buy these iron, these non-iron sh shirts. Oh, so I can awesome. just throw up in yeah. the dryer and then yeah. it's a lot easier. Do you do laundry? Uh, While it, you... It, Yes. I mean, I've been a month with just that carry-on, but then I'm usually at my brother's where I do laundry or at a hotel where I do laundry. But, uh, yeah, I, it doesn't take that much. Two weeks worth of underwear, two weeks worth of undershirts, and a couple <laughs> of shirts. You know what? Just say you do laundry. <laughs> just say you do laundry. Sure, I do laundry. <laughs> yeah, sure you do. Now, I know you have a lot of pictures of, like, disgusting things in the airplane and people, like, with their naked feet and stuff yeah. like that. Like. 
what are like interesting, funny stories you have from traveling? Like, what are the things you saw that um, you could never unsee? I don't even have any such stories, to be honest with you. I'm usually pretty, like, I get mad and angry if there's delays or there's a problem on a plane. But then as soon as I land, I forget. I completely forget about you them. You're always mad and angry. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I honestly have no, I'm very, some things I have a really good memory for. And some things I forget instantly. So a lot of those stuff I completely forgot. There's no point carrying that baggage, I guess. If it's funny, I might remember it, but uh, otherwise, no. And a lot of, all the pictures that you've seen on my presentations is from a website called PassengerShaming.com. They're not my pictures. Somebody else took them. <laughs> and what was like, I know you also travel a lot um, and you enjoy... Yes. You you enjoy traveling. That's a hobby, and what and I know you've been everywhere. Not everywhere. Uh, what are places that you would say? It, well, most I've been to a lot of places. Almost everywhere. What are places you say are most seen? Like it's a must see. Um, well, there's what are places that really took your breath away and like. Well, those are two separate questions. What took my breath away, or what I think is a excuse me, or what I are. think is a must see. Yeah. Which one would you like me to answer first? Yeah. What took your breath away? I, I specifically remember being overwhelmed by the Taj Mahal, that it was more than even I thought it was going to be. I definitely remember that feeling. I remember uh, Bora Bora was more impressive and South Pacific than I expected it to be. That you sort of I think really certain things, there. but then they're even better than your wildest imagination. But I have a lot of places I just go back to time and time and time again. I'm almost... It's a terrible thing to say, but I'm. It's kind of like um, a drug addict who wants a neater, needs a bigger hit every time. So I can get on get on a plane here, mm -hmm. land in Paris, or land in in certain parts of the world, and I forget that I'm in Paris because it's just like another home for me. And I know that sounds terribly arrogant, but I'm. I, I feel not, very no. comfortable in a lot of. It's different, your reality. Yeah, and I also lived in Paris for six months as well, so it does that make maybe that's why. Or London, I I visit London every year, but. With regards to my recommendations, I don't have an. And but you travel always alone. Uh, not always, but a lot alone. I prefer, yeah, a lot alone. Not always, by no means always. I have a, a good friend I travel with, one of my best friends from high mm -hmm. school, uh, one of my best friends who happened to be at my high school, but we weren't friends in high school. I have a group of friends where the uh, who tend to travel every couple of years together. We rent a house or. We, we do something together. I've done a couple of group trips with the G Adventures or Intrepid Travel. So I've done a couple of group trips like that with 11 other people that I don't know. But they're all like-minded travel people. So that works. It just depends where I'm going. So I was supposed to be in South yeah, Africa this week. Yeah, I'm finding that more and more. I'm, I'm going for the experience. So, yes, I know. So, no, but like, for example, that was going to be all alone and trying to figure it out on my own. But I, did, I, I broke I broke. Up what you were saying. What were you saying? Experience? I was saying that um, more and more, I I don't travel as much as you do, and I want to do more for sure, but I realize it more and more when I travel and I have a experience, like not just a destination, but it's something you're going to experience. You're either going to leave a different culture or, um, you know, be part of like a, an experience versus just going to see the sites, going to see the, right. you know... I feel that way more rewarding and those are the memories I keep versus I went to a beautiful place and I saw a beautiful 
I don't museum sculptures and whatnot, but that the experience was not well, there. For me, there's always sense. an experience if you check off the things you want to check off. I, wherever I go, there's museums I want to go to or sites I want to see, and there's an experience with it. And there's mm-hmm. always something that surprises me or I wasn't expecting, and that's the part that's fun that you tend to remember. But I don't think you can just go to a place and expect experiences without planning a what to do first. I think what I'm saying is like I always, the things that stuck with me are always the small things. Like when I went to Paris, I, I've been to Paris a few times and what I remember about Paris is actually buying warm bread and the butter and sitting out and eating that. And that is what made my trip so happy. Yes, I love the Louvre and all, but what I remember, what brings me warmth when I remember is like those moments or eating a hot croissant. I, I understand, but you can't make a trip to Paris and plan it around the bread eating. You went to go see A, B, or C, or do D, E, and F, and then you happened to have bread and butter, no. and that's what you remember. You're not going to plan a trip to... I mean, now you I don't you know. Will. I'm trying to play... Okay, so if I tell you you're going to go to Italy, you're not going to plan a trip around <laughs> where to go get the best pasta. You're going to be other things you're going to want to see and do. No? You see? No, you see? No. What I'm... Tra- like, you just nailed it. I was actually going to go to Italy with Luana, now in May, mm. but we're not anymore. But we were... I'd never been to Italy, and the whole trip was going to be around food. We were gonna go. It was gonna be a Fair kind enough. of That's a, an experience trip. a yeah. gourmet trip. No, but it's a round food. But you, but yeah. you have to have a plan. So. It's not an experience. I think the experiences that happen that you're not yeah. expecting is what people tend to remember from their trip. I don't think you can plan for the unexpected. Yes. I actually love to travel with people that plan. I don't like planning trips. I don't like knowing what I'm gonna do. I love going with people that plan everything. I just wake up and go. <laughs> yeah. No, I hate. People I don't like. like, like I hate a set people schedule, like you. Like a really I hate tight people schedule. Like you. Really? Yeah, so I'm going to do all the work and you're just going to go where I go? No. I want to be clear. I know we've been joking about our friendship. Yeah, but I'm going to entertain you. we are never traveling together. Ever. Ever. Never say never. No, no, no. I'm saying never. No, you said that you're going to. No. You promised to show me New York. I know we've been there for work, but you promised to show me around New York. Uh, Yes, you did. (laughs) We definitely go in. And we said it needs to be when it's snowing outside. And I even you, said I'm bringing the kids. You know I hate snow. No, that's not going to happen. You said I know, you want to take. I know, but the kids want to see it. You, that's fine. I can tell you where to go when I will be somewhere warm at the time. Nope, you need to be there. But anyway. Yeah, have your people call my people. <laughs> I will. Um, but okay. another, I think, interesting choice you made. And usually, I ask this question to women, which is funny because um, it's just the nature of. The thing, I guess, but you also chose not to have a family, not to be married, not to have kids. How did that play out for you? Like, was it a natural choice, or just like some things were happening, and that was not involved? No, no, no. I don't think it was. I don't think it was a natural choice. I never. I never said I don't want kids. It just mm-hmm. sort of happened this way. My understanding is mm-hmm. that uh, relationships, long-term relationships, and marriages require compromise. And I am not good at compromise. I like it my way, and mm-hmm. yeah, that's been the limiting. That's been a limiting factor, I would say. You know what? You ended up always compromising, though. No, not no. You don't. If I want to go see this and not that, that's I want to go see this and not that. Yeah, yeah. If you if you want to watch this show and I want to watch this show, I can do whatever I want. No, you can't have a marriage without compromise. Right. And I even think that marriages have evolved in a way that we should re- revisit the whole situation. Like, I, I think, like, you know, living in separate houses will be ideal. <laughs> I really do. I don't think, I think when you, <laughs> seriously. I, I, I'm not going to touch that one right now. Let's, let, let, let's leave that one alone. No, it's now. true. Think about it. Like, sharing bathrooms, sharing, like, those are things that are 
for sure going to create conflict that you can avoid. Like, if you're not living in the same house, who cares if you didn't do the dishes? Like, that's a fight right there that correct, you avoid but it. You, but correct, but you, you're trying to redefine the entire term of marriage. Yes, yes, you yes, know, I, you I, get it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because really, it, this is a made-up thing. Like, we made it up. Yes, we did. And I have that without the other house, so it works out perfectly. What do you mean? You said you're married with somebody in another house. Another, I sort of have that. I have my house with my stuff. Yes. So I don't have to compromise. That's right, that's but I'm that's saying. what I'm saying. But like, I think the idea of like to have kids or to have a family, you need to be in the same house. You need to be married. You need to do everything by the book. I think that needs to evolve. Because Well, it has evolved with 50% of families being divorced and kids growing up that way. When I was growing up, that was absolutely not a normal thing. Although you yeah. are younger than me, even when your parents, even when your parents split up, it was still not normal. Today, I'm it is like absolutely much normal younger for kids. than you. Yeah, much younger. Uh, <laughs> but you're counting in metric. It changes everything. <laughs> but uh, today, today it's absolutely normal. It's absolutely no- my cousin's kids. They have two separate homes. They're used to it. They're comfortable with it. That's their new normal, and that's today's world, which is very different. But what you're advocating, I know, now, I agree was not a thing 30 years ago. But if you go back further, there's plenty of people who had separate bedrooms. That's magical. Well, what's the difference then? Yeah, no, having separate bathrooms, I think, is a must. I totally, I totally recommend. Separate bathrooms right there, you know. Uh, especially, okay. like, I lock myself from the kids a lot of times in the bathroom. Like, I, I even eat in the bathroom. I shouldn't even say that, right. but sometimes if I want to eat something that I don't think they should have, like a sweet or something, I lock myself in the bathroom and I eat. How pathetic is that? That's very pathetic. But very. <laughs> and yet, totally understandable for you, so it's fine. Sometimes I say mommy's having diarrhea and so they don't get close to the bathroom. I literally do. Sometimes you just you need You know a we're way being out. recorded, right? I know, but it's this... <laughs> But that's reality. The glamour is not there. That's yeah, the yeah, reality. Yeah. And like homeschooling now, you have yeah, but, no idea how maybe. many times I have diarrhea. Yeah, but, but if you tell them, if you tell them God is watching and God wants mom to eat the to eat the cake, but not you, they'll believe it. <laughs> See, religion does play a part. Ooh, I'm gonna rethink <laughs> that. I'm gonna rethink this whole thing. Fear of God. No, but I really think that. I really think that we need. <laughs> The fear of God. Well, but then I'll believe that if I lie, I will go to the same place. I'm telling them they will. No, go. You, it's not about you. It's it's about what they believe. Oh, you know, it's believe. all fake. You know, it's all smoke and mirrors. It's what they. As long as they believe it, that's all that matters. Seriously, how is the journey? Everybody knows the journey of the um, more common choice, which is like you, you, you know, you graduate, you get married, you have kids, you have a house, you buy a bigger house, you go to the suburbs and, you know, and 50% will get divorced and will buy an apartment in the city and, <laughs> and it will go. And, right. you know, 50% will, it's actually more than 50 that get divorced. But point is, and a lot of times people like, a lot of women um, and men, too, are getting married way later, but that has a huge impact for women because we do have a biological clock. Um, and so there's a point you need to decide. And But more and more because of career, I think women are getting married later and making choice of either having just few, like one kid or not having kids, which it's not considered the norm. Um, how about for you? How is that journey of not having that tight, not having that? compromise like you know it's funny i asked a friend of mine a dear friend when she had twins she had baby she had twins when they were and i asked her a few weeks after they were born or how difficult is it 
uh, how much more difficult is it having two versus one? And she said, I don't know. My life was always two. That's These are my first kids. And that's the life mm-hmm. I know, and that's I, I can't compare to anything else. And so I yeah. answer you the same question. I, I can't compare. Uh, I recently read a quote that's I like from Kierkegaard. It said, life can only be understood backwards, but can only be lived forwards, which I like that. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. it means you can only go a certain way and only understand why you got there after you already made that step. And so mm-hmm. I, I'm not mm-hmm. one to read. I read a lot of books, and there's all these a lot of history books, and a lot of them are things like, oh, what would have happened if Hitler got into art school? Or what if, what if Lincoln wasn't shot? Mm-hmm. I don't play those games. It's not what if. I never I never look back. I never analyze things that way. I really tend to try to figure out what the future is going to be, not the past. So I don't have a real answer for you, except that this is the way I, this is my life, and that's the way it is. So there, I don't believe there's right and wrong. I've, I've always been a contrarian, like, not contrarian, I don't know. I do things my way. I, I, I get what you're saying. I, I always did things backwards. Um Everything, honestly. I'm not the, saying it's backward. No, no, no. I'm not saying it's backward. I'm not saying. Well, it's backwards. backwards from a lot of people. I'm saying. I'm saying for myself, like backwards on what other people consider conventional, and I, my choices in my life, I usually not. They're very unusual, if if anything. Um, even the choice of like veterinary career, working with Zoomed instead of like traditionally dogs and cats. I think everything I. I choose. I don't know if it's conscious or not, but I always choose a way that is not considered the. I don't want to say normal because that bothers me because it's not abnormal to want something different. Right, just, I no don't normal, usually, right. yeah, I just don't usually choose what the majority of people will choose. And I actually like that. I, I, I like that. I don't suffer Same with here. that. And I never look back, to be honest. Like, I never look back and say, oh, and I, if I didn't, I haven't done that. No, I, I don't do that. But I can't imagine, like you say, for example, oh, can you imagine a life without a kids? Yeah, I can. Like, that doesn't mean I want them out of my life, but I can totally. Like, right. I don't have that romantic, like, oh, no, I can't live my life without them. No, no, I would be happy. I would have been happy without them. I'm happy Again, with it's them. it's being recorded. <laughs> I'm not saying I would be happier. I'm saying I, I think that. Hey, not kids, are you hearing your mother? Are you, you know? hearing what your mother is saying? No. I'm inside of my saying closet she's get rid surrounded of by blankets. They're not allowed right. to listen to podcasts. Right. Mom's having diarrhea. I don't even want to go there like when they actually doing, I know, when they actually like on social media, I don't even know what to do. I'm going to throw up when that happens. Well, we got time. It's too much. We got time for that, thankfully. Do we? Do we? And like Not one much, is twelve, yes, the other is ten. Is like, mm, it's happening. It's happening. Oh, you're anyway. right. You don't have time. My nephew's already on TikTok. Ah, oh, see. Oh my God. They don't know what the stuff is yep. yet, but they will very soon. Yeah, we go to a uh, unless God unless God unless, scares them. Oh, I like you know God, what God's see. <laughs> I'm rethinking really this whole. <laughs> there's there's value there's value in the Almighty. Oh, definitely. Raising your children. Oh, definitely. So, um, to wrap it up, um, tell us something you're really proud of in your life. Huh. Um, Professionally speaking, I would say I'm very proud of having put, dare I say, a lot of people on the right path. And if I die tomorrow, I know there are going to be people who say, 
oh my God, he was so helpful. He got me to where I am now. And I'm very, he, uh, not all the way, but he put me on the path that mm-hmm. got me to where I am now. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm very, pr- I, I know I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud of having affected people's lives in a positive way. Part of this Corona business, I've been home and like everybody else, cleaning out cabinets and drawers and such. And I found a folder with all these old thank you cards from my old clients that I had in New York City. And it's nice to go through them again. Some of them are very long letters thanking me for taking care of their pet or for being empathetic or whatever it may be. And those people will remember my name. And they will know that I did something good for them. And I'm very proud of that. That's what I'm proud of. So and how about new personal life? Uh, you, you, you asked me about leaving the profession. And professional. I, I, I said for a number of years, I can, make, I can affect more change in the profession by getting good doctors into good practices That's than I can ever make just by seeing patients on my own. And I, I've definitely done that. I have, I have moved people or helped move people or directed people into a better professional life through, uh, yeah, so I've affected people's lives that way. On a personal note, um, what am I proud of? I'm proud that I've been able to to grow and change from a trajectory that I was expected. So there's definitely anger management issues and anxiety issues in my family. I wouldn't tell. I'm very Oh, in your proud. family. I thought you were saying yourself. Yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, n- nothing to laugh at, serious bad stuff that I'm very proud oh, wow. that I've been able to get away from that. So to be much calmer and to distance myself from some of the um, bad behaviors. So that's what I'm proud of there. Oh, wow. That is something definitely to be proud of. It's incredible how we carry the weight of the ones that came before us and so on. And I don't know how much that is yep. environmental or genetics, but I guess I'm about to find out. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. But even the kids, like, it's incredible how like us they are. Literally, like, of Chloe course. is just, like, a replica of Stephen. It's just... With adopted children, you're the perfect people to figure out nature and nurture. Yep. Yeah. And so. um, what, is, what is something that makes you cry out of happiness or sadness or whatever? Is, what is something that really moves you? Every time I know I have to get on the phone with you... <laughs> I but it's cry. tears of joy. Not tears of joy. <laughs> I knew you were going to say tears of joy. It's not tears of joy. It's not tears of joy. Uh, I am so predictable. I, I, I say that cry. to I say that to yeah. my husband. I'm so yes, predictable. I don't understand why you don't know this is going to happen. You're right. And seriously, you're very predictable. Very. Um, yeah, I, I cry. I mean, I cry. I used to. I joke around. I used to. I still joke. I say like, I come from a long line of criers. We cry during the Olympics. We cry during Kodak commercials. I, I uh, yeah, I, I, I cry more often than, yeah, I cry, I have no, I have no, I don't care about crying, I don't have a problem with that. I remember you tearing when I showed you the picture of the kids and told you we were going to adopt them. No, I just smelled onion, that's all that no. was, I was chopping an onion when you showed me that picture. You were one of the first people we yeah, told. Yeah, like, like that kind of stuff, it makes, it. yes, I'm emotional in that regard, anything that's very, I think anything that's really happy will I, I cry much more from happy things than sad things. Let's put it that way, which mm-hmm. I guess is a good thing, yeah. right? That's a great thing. But except for when I talk to you, because that's not happy. <laughs> we have it recorded already. Every time I miss it, I'm gonna listen to this podcast. <laughs> I haven't pushed. I haven't pushed the enter yet. So. So that means that we need to do it again. <laughs> yeah, I'll get right on that. <laughs> 
Well, thank you so much for being part of the podcast, Odie. Oh, I really appreciate it. I hope you what? What I did you say? Yeah, my pleasure. And that's on tape. <laughs> it's on tape. It's my pleasure. <laughs> thank you so much. And I hope you guys out there at home um, enjoyed this as much as I did. Thank you very much. And I will talk to you guys in the next episode. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks. All right, all right, all right. The honest mistake. Let's take a look on what we might have said that was not really accurate or information that was missing or any mistakes that we might have made during the podcast. To start with, I want to address the pink urine. I really try to research the exact components of the food coloring or for how long the urine stain or the pinkish urine could last after eating um, food coloring, especially the red one, which was the popcorn Odie ate in Brazil. I could not find that information, um, but I found several reports of that happening to people after eating that popcorn. And apparently beets can cause a similar effect. Have to say, being Brazilian, I am afraid that uh, food coloring used on the popcorns that are sold on the streets might not be the healthiest, certainly not organic, and might be slightly toxic. So I just want to put that out there. Odi also mentioned some um, Jewish holidays. Before I move forward, before I say anything else, I want to start by apologizing for my ignorance of religious holidays, including Jewish holidays. As you already know, I'm atheist agnostic, and that is not an excuse for my ignorance. Um, I apologize for that. I'm constantly learning in life, and religion is something I can definitely learn more about. Growing up in Brazil, I was mostly exposed to Catholicism and Spiritism, so therefore those are the religions I have a little bit more knowledge, but not that much, to be honest. Just now I'm learning about um, Judaism and other religions here in the U.S. They are more popular. So here's what I learned about these holidays, Odie mentioned. It's probably um, common knowledge in the U.S., Again, but that's something we do um, on the honor mistake. And I thought it was really, really interesting. If I'm saying something wrong or if I'm missing information, please do let me know. Just be kind to me. I really come from a place of love and respect. And less if I don't pronounce something right, um, I really apologize. Has nothing to do with the fact that it's a religious term. Uh, English is not my first language. I know it's shocking. <laughs> But that's the reason. Actually, on a second thought, I guess the words would be in Hebrew, so that's not even an excuse. Well, I did, full disclosure again, I did Google all the words and I spelled them phonetically to read them to you. And I'm, I'm trying my very best to pronounce them correctly, but I have a feeling that my accent and my pronunciation might not be the perfect one. So bear with me, okay? So he spoke about Passover, Hanukkah, and Yom Kippur. So Passover, according to my research, is one of the Jewish religion's most sacred and widely observed holidays. In Judaism, Passover commemorates the story of the Israelites' departure from ancient Egypt, 
which appears in the Hebrew Bible's book of Exodus, and among other texts too. Jews observe the week-long festival with a number of important rituals, including a traditional Passover meal known as seder and the removal of leavened products from their home and the substitution of matzor for bread, and the retelling of the Exodus tale. Hanukkah um, is the eight-day Jewish celebration and commemorates the rededication during the second century before Christ, or BC, of the second temple in Jerusalem, where, according to the legend, Jews had risen up against their Greek-Syrian oppressors in the Maccabean Revolt. Hanukkah, which means dedication in Hebrew, begins on the 25th of the Kislev on the Hebrew calendar and usually falls in November or December. It's often called the Festival of Lights. The holiday is celebrated with the lightning of the menorah, traditional foods, games, and gifts. As we learn from Odi, the gifts, it's something practiced more in the U.S., as my son also learned. And again, I think during the podcast, I said something like the holiday they celebrate instead of Christmas, and that it was a completely misuse of the word. That has, one has nothing to do with the other. Um, and again, I'm apologizing. I apologize for saying that. Unless Yom Kippur, um, the Day of Atonement is considered the most important holiday in the Jewish faith, falling in the month of Tishrei, which is September or October in the Gregorian calendar. It marks the culmination of the 10 Days of Awe, a period of introspection and repentance that follows Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year. According to the tradition, it is on Yom Kippur that God decides each person's fate. So Jews are encouraged to make amends and ask for forgiveness for sins committed during the past year. The holiday is observed with a 25-hour fast and a special religious service. Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah are known as Judaism's high holy days. I hope I said that well. I love learning about new cultures and religions and history. I find it very interesting. And last, Odi quoted Soren Kierkegaard, and it's a beautiful quote. I am so glad he taught me and brought it to my attention. But since we are fact-checking, I just want to tell you the exact quote. Um, the quote he said is very, very similar to the original, but here I just want to make sure we know the exact one, which is, life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forward. It's beautiful, isn't it? So applicable, so deep amazing. I think I'm going to write that on the wall on my bedroom. I'm not joking. I'm really going to do that. And that's it, guys. I hope you have enjoyed it. I hope you stay safe, wash your hands, and wear your masks. And I'll see you next podcast. Bye. <laughs>